I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship with your host, Claudia Pauls. Welcome once again to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. And we need to thank you, our listeners, and all of those reaching out for help and healing. We have now uh, produced over 50 episodes. um, And our producer, Dan, who is all of our hero, um, he is going to share with us some of of our highlights, some of the help that has gone on, and kind of how this all started. So Dan, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Claudia. Yeah, this is, I'm so excited. When podcasts launch, they often fall into this thing called pod fade. And after eight to 10 episodes, they go away. We've hit over 50. It's amazing. I'm it is. So, oh my gosh. I can't <laughs> believe that <laughs> there have been 50. This time, I well, I've learned a whole lot of things I didn't really want to learn. But right. the time that I have been with these wonderful people from DASIS is some of the most inspirational and valued mm-hmm. that I have. Yeah, absolutely. It has so inspired discussions in my house. I have teenage daughters. Uh, it has inspired me to not just be a quiet voice of, well, it's not really my business. Like the, I'm empowered to have these discussions, and it's amazing. And one of the things that I've taken away, I wasn't even thinking about this until just now, I've used this in presentations when I talk about DASIS. You would, th- you would maybe think, you would maybe assume, stereotypes, the, 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 the organization is almost 100% women. Run, mm-hmm. and you would maybe think some people might think, well, they're just probably man bashing. My men are the problem. Blah blah blah. And oh my gosh, I am such an empowered male because that it's not that way. These, you all, you women who run this are so welcoming and appreciative of the voices that men can add to it, and that we aren't the problem, but we certainly can be a huge part of the solution. Absolutely. I believe men are the solution. Um, when you're looking at um, sometimes the victim or the um, the population who is victimized hmm. is often seen as whiny or um, complaining. But when someone's speaking their voice from the dominant population says no this is wrong we're going to do something about this we won't Mm -hmm. stand for it let's band together to do it then people tend to listen you're you're the ef hutton (laughs) there you go (laughs) of our agency yeah well thank you so you want to talk a little bit about uh stats maybe i do love to hear them this is exciting so reports research shows that out of the seven hundred thousand podcasts out there the average downloads or complete listens in some way uh, of a show is like 150. 
Mm. Okay, so an episode might get 150 downloads or, or listens. Uh, and that's just the average. And mm-hmm. there are shows that get millions, you know, the mm-hmm. Joe Rogans of the world or the NPR of the world. And then there are some that get one or two, right? Ours? You want to know what ours is now? I do. Yeah. <laughs> Over 500 per episode is that's our average. Oh, that's amazing. Crazy. Oh, my God. Wow. So, everybody, you thank the listeners. Absolutely. 100%. Thank you, listeners. You Absolutely. hear that, Trevor Noah? We're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to have Trevor on. That'd be great. I know. I love um, Just in case he's listening. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You never know because out of all the states, we reach all 50 states plus D.C. Mm-hmm. And out of the, the top states that are listened to, Michigan is actually number two. Right. To California. Wow. That's amazing. So I assume Trevor's in California. That's where all the famous I people are, I think he's right? in New York. Is he in New York? <laughs> right, well, well New, actually, New York is like number four. So still, he might still, listen. He still may be listening. <laughs> so yeah, over 500 per episode is our average. We have two that have crossed the 1,000 download mark. Wow. Our most popular episodes, um, the first one is What is Domestic Violence? Mm-hmm. So let's, I'm gonna, we're going to play a clip of that, and we're going to discuss that. What is domestic violence? Well, domestic violence is a pattern of behaviors that the abuser uses against their intimate partner in the context that we talk about it um, to either gain or maintain power and control. And it's intentional. Uh, no one just accidentally abuses someone else. It's intentional, and they do it because they want to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Program, for lack of a better term, their Hmm. victim to be who they want them to be at all times. Oh, my. So somehow in the back of my head, domestic violence was maybe a product of, of a temporary anger or something didn't go well. But that's a whole different take on it when you're talking about it's intentional and they have a, a method and a, and a purpose for doing this. Absolutely. It's not about anger at all. Abusers a lot of times are sent to anger management mm-hmm. as a form of punishment for abusing their victim. But it's not about anger management because if I can get mad in the morning and hold it all day, and come home and take it out on my intimate partner, mm-hmm. only my intimate partner, then I am very much in control of my anger. If so I, you already have anger management. Yeah, you don't it's, need not, class. it's about power and control. So I find it interesting that that's the most popular episode. People wondering what domestic violence is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it was one of the... I think it was one of the early ones that we recorded, if I it remember is. right. Mm-hmm. And and I, I learned a lot, and I use what you all talk about so often, power and control. One of the things I take away from it is the example of, um, he, well, he's, he's just out of control. Mm-hmm. Mm, no, that's a myth. Yeah. That is a huge myth. He, do, he when I say he, the abuser, she, whoever, isn't abusing just random people on the street. Right. They didn't abuse the clerk at the store or the server or the who the whatever, right? They abuse you as the victim. Right. They're in control. They're controlling it. So, um, Claudia, what's something that you, thinking all the way back to what is domestic violence to our earlier episodes? Well, I, you know, having lived a fairly sheltered life, I guess, it never entered 
I mean, I mean, I knew that there was domestic violence, but it had never personally affected me. And, and just learning the signs to look for and, and what people have survived and that there are survivors who are able to move on with hope and healing and forgiveness and have wonderful lives um, has been inspiring. Them. One thing that was amazing was after that um, podcast, I received a message from someone from South Africa. Wow. And she knew that she was in an abusive relationship, but she felt alone. And so her words to me was, thank you for putting this information out there. I know I'm not alone, and I know I can reach out for help. And so if you're listening, um, I got your message. I heard you. Um, I hope you're safe. And um, thank you for sharing your story. You just never know what you outre- never know. outreach will bring. Gives me chills. Yeah. I love it. So another one of our popular episodes uh, was Why Do Victims Go Back? That's the other one mm. that just, just crossed the 1,000 download mark. Why Do Victims Go Back? So here's a clip from that show. I mean, you, I feel like you have to remember that at one point this was their person and still is. Mm-hmm. Again, they didn't come into this relationship thinking, oh, I'm going to be abused one day. So there was that relationship, that bonding uh, that that brought them together. And then the abuse started and and they still love this person. This is still the person that they remember from the beginning. This is still the person that they love. So when you're saying, well, oh, he just, he hits her. Or he He's emotionally abusive. Well, at one point he was also Supporting caring and, caring and loving. And well, he wasn't, but that was part of that power and control. But he's still the her person. He's so, the father yes. of her children and... I know personally, um, my husband and I have been together for a very long time, and he's such a part of my life. I mean, we've been together more years than we haven't been. Mm -hmm. And so imagining life without him, imagining being a single parent without my partner there, that's hard to imagine even when you're in an abusive relationship. A lot of women will say, well, he's a horrible husband, but he's a wonderful father. I take notion with that, but in their eyes, that's the way it is. He loves his children. And one thing I tell them, I try not to um, talk badly about the abuser mm. when they're sitting there, because again, this is the person that this person loves. But what I remind them is a good father wouldn't abuse their children's mother. Right. Right. He's teaching your children what a relationship looks like. Is this the relationship model you want your children to then live out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, you... There again, I, I find it very interesting that that's a question that so many people ask. And I, I guess without even realizing it, I probably asked that. Why, why did she go back? Why didn't she get out of that relationship? Why did she not do something? And that's such an uneducated question that's exactly it it's uneducated people need to learn about the circumstances that victims are living in and and no judgment that you're asking that like we've all asked it absolutely Mm -hmm. but understand that number one don't don't blame the victim my goodness 
why does the perpetrator keep doing it? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found it fascinating. Deb, you, you can speak to this. It takes several touch points to help someone get out. Eight to 11 times. So when you meet someone and they're going through this, you don't know if this is their first um, reach out for help. If this is the first time they've been able to vocalize what they've been through. And so we all want to say that magic phrase or that magic word. And you're like, okay, you don't have, you don't have to live like this. You know, there, your abuser will be held accountable and we want that light to come on and they just be able to walk out the door. But we talk about barriers to why someone um, is not able to just walk out that door. And we need as society to realize that. And again, when you ask the question, why doesn't she just leave? That puts the responsibility on the victim to control what's going on in their lives. And if victims were in control of what was going on, it wouldn't be going on. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, in addition to that, we need to thank you and your staff and all of those who are working in domestic assault and sexual assault prevention because. I never thought that how many times it would take to actually have a victim get some control or be able to change their lives. And the fact that you don't give up and that you realize this may not be the time, but I'm going to stick it out rather than say, well, this isn't working. Forget about it. It's Mm -hmm. astounding what you and your team and, and everyone working in this, this arena is able to do to help people. Amen. If I wasn't already standing up, I'd be standing up. Absolutely. Uh, well, I we have an amazing does. team, it's, and it is a team effort. It's not just one person going out and doing it. We all need each other. We need each other to help us help others. We need each other to help us help ourselves <laughs> as we're going some of what through you're, that. Yeah. Processing and self-care yeah. is something that we preach all the time. And so um, we're definitely a family, a family who comes together to comfort one one another, a family who doesn't always get along or agree with one another, but we're a family. And so we continue to come back together to, um, because we're singularly focused in our mission, and that is to end domestic and sexual abuse in our lifetime. And it may not happen, but we're not going to stop working towards that. And that's probably why it will happen. That's right. <laughs> well, <clears throat> prayers up, fingers crossed. <laughs> and a whole lot of work. Um, so I, when I when I had this idea for the show, my my hope was that, and I could you know I love to try to plan things and best laid <laughs> plans of mice and men, right? I thought, man, if every other week we had help and insights one week with experts and then the other week was a story of hope from a survivor how cool would that be because if it was all survivors it'd get really heavy Mm -hmm. but if it was all just experts how boring it might feel right we do not have no we do not not. i was i was way off on that one but i thought what a great way to do it well it hasn't been every other Mm -hmm. by any means but we have had several survivor stories and and i i was right out any ego there i was right they are very powerful Mm -hmm. and out of our top 10 most popular episodes several are survivor stories and our most pop our our most downloaded one right now is tara's story 
Yes. And what an incredible story of survival. So let's give a clip from that. So um, I actually met him at his house. I drove over there, met him at his house, and we rode um, to the bar together and met some friends there. And then started drinking, and uh, it was time to go home. So he had to give me a ride back to my car. And so on the way home, we started arguing. And I, you know, just told him that I, I don't love him anymore, and I want a divorce, and I want um, just to be done. You know, and I thought honesty would be the best policy mm-hmm. <laughs> at that time. Um, again, I wasn't aware of, like, all the, all the statistics of domestic violence. And um, so he did not take um, lightly to that and he pulled drove into this field that was just down um, from his house a little bit and um, he pulled into this field and jumped out of his truck and I remember like I didn't have anywhere to go I didn't like I was gonna try to jump out the other side before he could get the door open and he opened the door and um, grabbed me by my feet Mm. I am so sorry that all this happened to you and I re- I we all appreciate, <laughs> of course you are emotional, we appreciate you being willing to share the bad parts so that we can see how you got to the good parts. Yeah. And I do want to reassure our listeners, looking at you right now, you did get to the good parts. I'm sorry. I tell the story a lot, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard today. But I haven't heard it, I'm just about to join you here. So, <laughs> so he pulled me out of the truck and he got on me, started choking me. And started telling me that um, I didn't deserve to live and that my kids didn't deserve to have me for a mom. And that he could um, snap my neck and hide my body and nobody would know or care. Oh my gosh. I remember I passed out when I came back too. Like I remember just kind of having like this peaceful feeling over me. And then um, I realized where I was. I kind of started getting um, upset again. And he got back on me and started, you know, choking on me again. And then... um, I just asked him, I said, just think about Dean. Like, my son and I are really close. And he has never been really close to his dad. And I was just like, think about Dean. Like, Dean needs me. And I don't know. Um, I'm not really sure what happened, except I know that God has a bigger plan for my life than ending it that night. And That's for sure. Um, it was really strange. <laughs> like, he just picked me up and sat me on his lap and started hugging me and telling me how she loved me. And he just wants me to come home and wants me to quit school, wants me to quit my job. And... I just kept telling him, yes, I will. Yes, that's a great idea. Yes, I'm going to quit school. I'm just going to come home. And um, got back down to his house, and his sister was there. And um, she was like, did he just do this to you? And my face had, um, from being choked, had bruising and stuff on it. And um, I asked her to call the police, but she wouldn't call the police, but she said she'd give me a ride home. So she gave me a ride home to my mom's house, and I was so scared, and I called the police. It was the very first time I ever called the police on him. And um, so I called the police and the police came and I was so scared that he was going to show up because he had told me so many times in my life, you know, if you ever call the police, if you ever call the police and um, the police came and they did a report on him and told me that they'd have to call Child Protective Services because with any domestic violence and Child Protective Services. And so I was just like devastated because you hear so many horrible stories about when Child Protective Services gets called. And so I was, you know, in my mind thinking this was a bad idea. I should have called the police. And he was arrested and um, he was charged with... So what I love about this particular episode is that Tara has been a part of DASIS. She is a survivor. And she has turned on and told her story again and again to help other victims find their voice and find their power. Mm-hmm. And 
just hearing her story and and the fact that she she broke a little during that yes. shows you how powerful it still is. Mm-hmm. You know, she's found that healing. Um, think back on that episode, Claudia. What was your experience with this one? Well, I was just trying not to cry half the time, and and I'm so glad I met her as a healed, awesome woman so that I knew the end before I heard the beginning, um, which was a huge comfort to me. And hopefully to those listeners who heard her story as well, realizing that she won, that she she was full of hope and, and maybe not healed, but certainly that healing was all there and possible for everyone who reaches out. I'll go a step further. Um, Tara's healed. (laughs) I have never met someone who is, um, and healing is a process, I will say, but um, Tara's journey, um, I wouldn't say it's complete, but it is one of the most complete journeys that I've seen. And she talks about it. She did the work. Oh yeah. She did the work. She felt the pain. She felt the emotions. And she never gave up. And so she is definitely a story of um, hope and healing. And I love it when she tells her story. It fills me with a sense of pride, not only for the work that we do, but for the woman that she is. I think for me, one of the big takeaways is not only is she able to tell her story, but the powerful way that her voice carries to um, other survivors, Mm -hmm. to myself as a professional, because I think over this past year, specifically in this role, I learned so much about bravery, courage, um, resiliency, the ability of survivors to go through some very hard, difficult, sometimes dark things, and to be able to speak about it in such a way that it brings light into the world, Mm -hmm. into that dark space. And what I always find is that as that happens, the darkness has to flee when Mm. the light comes in. And I think that that is 100% um, in her story is what comes across so clearly, is that that darkness didn't win. And it doesn't have to win in our lives either. Man, Krista, you've got it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I've I've told people as, as I volunteer with DASIS how many services we have, and I and I brag about about Krista who just spoke, and I brag about Liz who's been on a, a number of times, and the fact that we have counselors, we have therapists, licensed therapists mm-hmm. who are amazing humans who can help people. And, uh, and it doesn't cost you anything. Uh-uh. Like, our services should cost everything, mm-hmm. and they cost nothing to our to our community. It's, it's a beautiful thing. The thing is, the people that we help have already paid so much mm-hmm. that getting um, the help that they need shouldn't cost them another penny. It shouldn't cost them another thing. And it's not, it's free, but they have to work. Mm. Therapy is work. That's one thing that I have learned, that therapy is not just coming in, laying on a couch and some you telling them your problems and they're telling you how to fix it. 
No, our therapists get in the trenches with you and work with you and teach you the skills that you need for healing and then um, will be your greatest cheerleader as you're overcoming those things. And so, yeah, I'm, we're thankful to be able to um, offer the services that we offer and um, we're, we're growing. It's only going to get bigger from here because the more people who are finding their voices and speaking out, they're looking um, for help and we want to be able to meet those needs. And, and we're so grateful that it doesn't cost them anything mm -hmm. due to things like grants, which is great, mm -hmm. but also the general support of donations mm -hmm. and financial support. And so we don't often talk about that on the podcast because this isn't about a fundraiser. Right. But my gosh, if you if you're inspired by what we're sharing and you want to support that, please do. DasisMI.org. There's a donate button there. We have, you know, the Voices to End Violence campaign is part of that for education but also just general donations, we, we, that's how we operate. Right. 100%. Right. We don't, we don't put a, we don't charge our um, clients and our house guests who are at our shelter for our services, but that doesn't mean it doesn't cost anything. Mm -hmm. And the more um, funds that we're able to raise or grants we're able to get, that doesn't mean the more money that goes into our pockets personally. Mm -hmm. That just means um, the more services that we're able to offer to more people. We're a small agency and we serve three counties here in Southwest Michigan. And, um, and so it's a, it's a large um, it's a large task. Mm -hmm. We're up to the task, but we can't do it alone. Yep, those partners. Whether you're listening in Michigan, or our biggest uh, listeners base in California or in Texas, then our third one. Wherever you are, you can give to this organization, or we also ask give to your local organizations. Absolutely, Please. absolutely. There's survivors um, everywhere, and there's victims who. Um, are transitioning into survivors you know you start out as a victim but you end up a survivor someone who's not only surviving but thriving in your life and that's the goal mm -hmm. so speaking of survivors uh a couple of our other survivor stories one of them was from ann who mm -hmm. came in and i and i was able to uh to guest host mm -hmm. uh another powerful one so we'll, we'll yes. roll a roll a clip from that Settle. I can take care of myself. I don't need anybody to take care of me. I want somebody to share my life, my ups and my downs. So don't give up on love. For, for me, I always, I set a high bar. We're hardest on ourselves. I always want to strive to be better. Always. And it can be the simplest little goal to set for yourself but setting goals and that might mean I have to set a goal to put one foot in front of the other I have to take 10 steps more than I took yesterday because I don't know how to pick the pieces of a shattered life up and start over reach out for help tell somebody that you explicitly trust. There is so much help out there. 
and you have to believe that you can heal. You have to believe that there is a happily ever after for you. And it's not, it's not easy. Every hurt relationship you leave and enter into a new one, that's another piece of luggage I have to take into a new relationship with me. And before long, I have a whole walk-in closet I'm dragging with me. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants that. So, again, I, I cannot stress enough that how my healing has healed me may not be the healing that's going to heal for you. But do not be shameful. You have nothing to be ashamed of. There is a hope. There is a bright future. You take one step at a time. So there again, this was a, a, a victim at one time who has mm-hmm. become a survivor. And, and what I found interesting about this one was the, we hear about a cycle of abuse and how that mm-hmm. like goes over generations. For Anne, it was a very personal cycle of abuse. It was. She would go from one relationship to the next. And it was, it was difficult to hear, but it was also very powerful to know that despite that, or maybe because of that, she'd become such a strong person on this side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Deb, what was your takeaway from Anne's story? Just her um, resiliency. A lot of times, you know, and she, again, she did the work. She um, she did the work in order to get to where she is. And she could have kept her story to herself. Mm. This is my story. I'm not putting it out there for anyone else to hear. But through her story, other people are going to be able to heal. And the fact that she and Tara... Um, never gave up on love because a lot of times that's what happened I'm there they believe a lot of um, survivors believe the lie that they're unlovable and they're so broken that there isn't true love waiting for them um, and in and a lot of times that there is and and so d- be willing to do the work and the work is hard and it hurts but the reward at the end is so worth it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And out of the that top ten episodes, are the final one I kind of want to want to run to is is Tori's survivor story. Yes. Me, it's um, I'm in between him and my brother, just trying to get get them to not fight. Next thing you know, my ex boyfriend he throws the first punch. So my breath, my cousin, and the three friends on the porch. That's all they see is us tussling on the ground. So they immediately run to the street and they end up jumping him. So it's him getting jumped by five different people. I obviously don't want this to happen. And in Detroit, as soon as you hear something, everybody runs outside. So mm-hmm. then everybody runs outside. They're looking at the whole situation going on. I'm in the middle of the street. I think I was having a panic attack. I couldn't breathe. Um, I just laid on the ground. My stepdad finally heard what was going on, and he walked outside. I'm thinking he's going to stop it. He's standing there. So I was like, you got to stop them. Like, stop them. So he stood there for a minute, and he finally stopped them and got them up. When I knew something was wrong with this man is when he got up and the first thing that he said with the bloody nose running down his face was that, Tori, you know I love you. And I, 
that scared me the most was the fact that as soon as you got up from somebody jumping you, that's what you thought about. What an amazing young woman to, again, share her voice and her story to inspire. We were talking about teen dating violence at the time. Claudia, what was your, how how was this story for you? Well, working with teenagers, it did open my eyes to, to start paying more attention, to not just assume, oh, they're just... You know, teenagers, they're not involved in a lot of this stuff just because um, I was unaware of, of different signals or things, you know, that kids would be saying to start to, to, to pay more attention. Um, and also just uh, the fact that it is not the victim's fault. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, it is not the victim's fault. And victims can, with work climb out of that hole that that their perpetrator has put them in yeah yeah powerful and as a as a dad to teenagers it was both scary and uplifting mm-hmm. and and like the fact that she was able to do that but the fact that she came from a, a good family sure. mm-hmm. was scary my girls are in a I'd like to think we're a good family. I think you are a good family. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, like, it's so hard, though. And, and it's the same. I mean, this isn't one of these episodes we're talking about. But then later, um, I believe it was Jen's story. Mm. Very similarly. She she went into a teenage dating relationship that ended up being unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Like, my goodness. So the fact that we have to be so diligent, talk to our kids. Um, Deb, you, you know Tori. I do. So, you know, she's... As she said on the episode, she's part of our of our staff and everything. How did how was this story for you? This episode. So when um, we had done a recording where we were just talking overall about um, teen dating violence and and our healthy relationships program, and I look at Tori and I said, "You want to share your story?" And so this wasn't something planned. Mm. And she was able to express herself and and tell her story so well. And she taught me something as a parent. Don't be afraid to ask the questions. Don't be afraid to call out things that you see that are wrong. Because as an adult looking back, she could see how that would be helpful. That would have been helpful during that time for um, her parents who love her very much Mm -hmm. to have said... I don't think this is a good idea. What's going on here? So she taught me something. Ask the questions. Don't be afraid. As parents, we need to use our voice. Even if we think for the moment that it may push our child away, it could also save their life. And so um, I think Tori's extraordinary. And Tori is extraordinary. But um, tell the story. I'll let you tell the story that you love to tell Mm -hmm. about what happened after that episode so we are our hotline got a call from someone in canada mm-hmm. who said i think i'm in an abusive relationship and, and i and i need help and so the fact that we had someone from canada actually call our 800 number mm-hmm. is, is amazing to me number one and you know that she she was able to have uh resources given to her in her area she got got help at least you know to, to begin this journey now the best part was uh, the she said I, I listened to this story from from Tori, and I realized that that helped me realize th- that this is what's going on for me. Turns out that Tori was the one who answered the phone. Oh yes. wow! And so to have that connection mm-hmm. 
for the for the survivor, but also to have that connection for Tori to mm-hmm. see what she did made an impact mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. It was so powerful. It yes, was, yes. I get so excited. I punch the board. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So again, I'm kind of coming at this kind of in my profession, but I think something that Tori's story in particular, I think highlighted for me is how much pressure our young people are under. Mm-hmm. And there's such a rush to want to grow up. And I think part of that is finding the right relationship or finding a relationship. And I think for me, um, you know, as I, as I work with young people, it's realizing that younger and younger people are wanting to get into a romantic relationship Mm -hmm. without necessarily having the understanding of what a healthy relationship is. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think that we haven't always done a great job of explaining what that is, what that looks like, what love is and how love respects and love is kind and patient and, um, how to have those conversations with our young people because I get you want to grow up and you want to do things and you want to have independence and you want to have these experiences and you know as parents or caregivers or family and friends we can't protect you from the world but how can we help have communication so that when you're going into the world that you have a little bit of an understanding of what can wait for you there. So I heard someone say to me when um, my um, oldest daughter began dating and just how to know whether um, the person that you're with, if this is a healthy relationship or if this person is showing you love. And so the person told me, um, being a church family, they came to me and they said, um, tell her to read 1 Corinthians 13. And instead of saying love, is this true for this person you're with? Mm. So um, is um, is Billy Bob, <laughs> is Billy Bob patient? Is Billy Bob kind? Does Billy Bob envy? Is he proud? Um, Does he dishonor? You know, or to see if you're an abuser, check yourself. Is Deborah patient? Is Deborah kind? Is Deborah envious? Is Deborah um, holding grudges? Holding grudges and keeping records. And so I think that's a great um, barometer for whether or not you're in a healthy relationship or what work you need to do on yourself Mm -hmm. if you're this person in a relationship. Mm, So good. So it's been a year. Mm -hmm. It's been a heck of a year. Yes. What's one of your favorite takeaways or moments or, uh, and I'll give mine first. I have, I have an agenda here. (laughs) (laughs) So I've learned, I've learned so much. And it's been such an incredible experience. But I think my favorite moment was when, Claudia, I ran into you at Home Depot. Oh, that was funny. And my wife, 
who listens to this show, but not my mm-hmm. other podcast. But anyway, it's a whole different <laughs> thing. Don't be bitter. We, <laughs> no, we uh, we were in, in Home Depot, and I said, oh, hi, Claudia. And as soon as Claudia spoke, Sonia looks at me, and she goes, oh, that's Claudia from the show. I recognize her voice. <laughs> she did so, say that. So you've become a celebrity. Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. Just such a fun little story. I thought that was awesome. Um, but it's just been an incredible experience. Is there anything that you've walked away with from this, Claudia, that you're like, wow, this is it? Well, I I was not expecting to be as, um, to become so much a part of what's going on. Um, I just thought, you know, okay, yeah, sure, I can go in and, you know, I don't know what they want me to say, but they'll, you know, write some stuff down. And But you can't be here and not listen and not learn and not empathize with everything that that everyone has been through whether as as a therapist or as a a victim and um and as i've mentioned before i have learned so much not that i wanted to learn it Mm -hmm. but i did need to learn it and everyone needs to be part of the solution or that problems will just continue very well said debbie i think what i've um what i appreciate about this show is um the team effort that goes into um, producing these shows and and the people who are willing to lend their voice, lend their hands. There are voices that you never hear on the podcast that are very much a part of what goes on in this room to be able to help others. My other thing is, for myself, I've always been a person who felt like um, if I can just help one person, then this is a success. But thousands of downloads, thousands of people listening all over the world, I could have never imagined. And so um, what keeps me coming back, what keeps me wanting to help is, you know, I, I am satisfied with helping one person, but we are literally doing something that can change the world. And I think that's amazing. Very well said. Krista? I am very grateful to DASIS for my job because I do love my job and the many wonderful people that are part of our organization. And I think what this podcast has really done is, um, as I kind of reflect on it, has just brought such an empowerment, I think, to, to everybody to say that I have a voice and I can use it, whether it's to tell my story, whether it's to bring teaching or learning, whatever it might be, but to know that everybody has a voice. And and as we unite our voices together, we can create change. And as that happens, hopefully, we're gonna continue to have empowered people who are gonna bring hope and healing to survivors, to the people that we meet. And and I hope that that's something that can, can, can continue. Yes. So there you have it, over 50 episodes, a year of production, hundreds of people, listeners, uh, the the shares, everything. Thank you so much. Uh, As always, the number for help is? 1-800-828-2023. And the place to go online for everything else is? DasisMI.org. And one last request to all of you listening, wherever you are in the country, in the world, Uh, consider helping us spread this message share on social media leave a review on your podcast player of choice send us a message let us know that you're listening that we've helped you Uh, if we can help spread this word and end domestic and sexual 
abuse in our lifetime. That's our goals. Thank you for listening to I'm Not In an Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.